Hey, I'm Chris. I'm Daron. And together we're Melody AM, the Nordic Music Podcast. We live and breathe the music that comes out of Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Finland, and the Faroe Islands. You, Daron, are in London, and I have the exceptional luck to live in Stockholm, Sweden. <sighs> so jealous. I know, you do mention that on a regular basis. Yeah, probably once an hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We are together for this first episode, and I think it's only fair that we share a little bit of information with our listeners about what on earth you're doing here in the Nordics, where our podcast is set. So what brought you here? How did you get here? How can I do it? Well, it's a story that goes back fairly far, actually. Even as a child, I had a poster of facts about Sweden on my wall. Can you name one fact about Sweden that was on your wall? There was something to do with car horns being banned. And I have to say, I live here and they're not banned. So the, the, the poster of facts was dubious. Mm. Yeah, I always, I always had an interest in the country. And then I started coming here when I was in my 20s, you know, on holiday and just falling in love with the nature and the culture and the lifestyle. And then next thing I knew, I was studying Swedish at university on an evening course, then came here to practice, and then bam, I'd quit my job, sold my apartment, and was living here. Sounds like a huge misunderstanding that kind of just lucked out. It was honestly a ball that just kept on rolling and I couldn't stop it. They're the best balls. <laughs> no um, comment. No comment, okay. So um, yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna, Assume from that that if I want to move to Sweden, I need to start with a fact about Sweden poster in my bedroom And I'm going to go to Orleans or another department store here in Stockholm tomorrow and look for one myself That's the most important part of the story. Excellent So Duron, you may not sadly live in Stockholm. Thank you for rubbing it in. Sorry, but you do have uh, an experience with Nordic artists you were, at one point in your life, a music journalist. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about that? So about 10 years ago, I started writing for a few magazines and online music blogs and got the chance to interview a lot of my favorite musicians. And at some point I realized that actually the majority of them, to my embarrassment, um, and I say embarrassment because I became very predictable. Most of the people that I interviewed were from the Nordic region. And I interviewed a couple of them and actually asked them what they thought it was about this region that produced so many amazing musicians. And what was it? Well, apparently it's about the fact that music education is such a prominent and important thing here. It's something that governments invest in and therefore anyone from a very early age can learn music or hone their craft if it's singing or writing or playing an instrument, music production, that sort of thing. So, so more than just playing a recorder? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Um, which, you know, uh, we're not dissing playing a recorder, listeners. Uh, so of course not. Yeah, please don't write in with letters of complaint. So basically, the Nordics take music seriously and they invest in the arts and that's how we end up with so many exciting musicians and this is really why we wanted to dedicate a podcast to to this region and the music that comes from it exactly i mean uh i've also found myself just liking endless nordic person after nordic person after nordic person and also like you feeling a little bit embarrassed about it at times but there is a reason i just think 
there is so much good music coming out of this area and so much that needs to be championed. I just feel like a lot of the time there are these artists producing amazing music that you don't really hear about or read about in other places. Mm. And that's why when you said, Chris, do you want to do this podcast? I jumped at the chance because I just, you know, it saves me boring my friends on Instagram posting about music they don't care about. Instead, I can now do a podcast where the people who do care can find it. We have a very similar taste in music. Yes, it's artists from the Nordics. But within that umbrella, we also intend to cover quite a different variety of artists and genres of music. Exactly. Uh, I wouldn't really be happy if we didn't do at least something about Schlager at one point. Absolutely. Schlager is is at least three, four episodes, right? <laughs> well, when you live in Sweden, it might feel that way. <laughs> we have some very, very exciting artists and guests joining us. And the first one that we are talking to today on our first ever episode is Danish pop kid Asbjorn. This was a really fun conversation, wasn't it, Chris? I loved this conversation, actually. We had a great time, yeah. Yeah, and Asbjorn, as you will shortly find out, has lots of charm. He has a really great sense of humor. And if you haven't listened to his music yet, we really recommend you checking out both his first two albums and the singles he's released since. And this actual first episode is being released to coincide with the release of Asbjorn's brand new and third studio album. Now, Asbjorn has also very kindly agreed to record a special live rendition of a track for us, which if you listen to the whole episode until the end of it, you'll be able to catch them. What a treat. What a treat. So, here we are. Here's our interview with Esbjorn, which was actually recorded with us not being in the same room together. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun to listen back to, eh, Chris? Right, I can't wait. <laughs> okay, here we go. Esbjorn, hello and welcome to Melody AM. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing really good. I'm uh, sitting in the dark in a summer house close to Aarhus in Denmark. Uh, the dark Jutland, we call it. It's a summer house that's been in our family for generations. My great-grandfather built it while there were no houses at all in the 30s, I believe. And then it's kind of just been inherited. And right now, um, as of now, I own 8.33, 333 percent of it which i'm very excited about eight whole percent goodness <laughs> yeah and is it is it a summer house with running water and electricity or is it one with uh without no it is with but but there's no electric heating so it's it's all wood so today i've been driving a lot of wood uh and okay. chopping it uh because you know that's the stuff you gotta do as well when you're out here it is my second home and right now it's kind of my primary home because i chose to kind of uh, take some time to figure out what my next home should be. I've been in Copenhagen for three years now. And I think there's like a, yeah, there's something in me that that isn't sure that it wants to stay. So I want to just give myself the opportunity to run wild for a little while and then where I end up. 
but I'm close to the ocean. I wake up every morning at six or six thirty just to like wait for the light and then watch every part of whatever kind of sunrise might be. Um, even though it is fairly disappointing these days, really the plan is to venture out a bit more. How the fuck else am I, am I gonna find out where 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 I belong? Because <laughs> I honestly I think I I could be out here forever. I'm just like it's ridiculous how how happy I am on my own. Um, and I actually didn't think that about myself because I've I've always been a very social kind of guy. But uh, but I I guess I found out for real during. Uh, during COVID that I actually really enjoy spending time with myself, which has been lucky, I guess. I think we all needed to uh, find that out for ourselves during COVID, didn't we? And some, some are more successful than others. How did you do? Well, um, I survived, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I had my battles, like my, my, my huge battles, and they were huge, and, and I wasn't sure that I was going to make music anymore and stuff. Um, but I had that before and just before lockdown, I kind of um, found my way back into it. And it was like, it was crazy. I was just so creative. So in some way, I I felt like it was um, perfect. I got all the time to dive back into what I love. It's nice <laughs> to hear that some people had a kind of creative, inspirational time during during COVID. I think a lot of people did, but I think a lot of people had to kind of ease into it more and like figure out how to do it. And, and for me, it was just like an instant. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, it, and it does change the way music sounds and the things we write about. And I'm so excited because because those still uh, those things are still being rolled out. I mean, that's going to be the, the, the albums we hear in a year or two, maybe. And I'm, I'm excited to hear that, how, how it kind of translates into, into a a generational voice in music. Can you describe how it might have changed your music? Have you have you heard a difference in your own sound? I think there's a sense of calm that I found and, and an interest in digging down into things that are not necessarily sensational. You know, that's something we've had to get used to as well in conversations with the ones near to us that, you know, it isn't, we couldn't tell these wild stories from from our lives, uh, which I think you know a, a lot of human interaction is based on. Hey, this happened to me, and like so so absolutely. And and I really find that there's um there's such a beauty in learning to dive into something that is way less definable, which might just be a feeling, a thought that kind of that you just have to describe in some way which is kind of which i think is 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 was a good step for me because i've been very focused on becoming a a good pop writer the past years since my last album it's been about 6 years since you released your last album which was your second one and over that period there has been some movement and and, and uh, some changes. Uh, so your first two albums came out on your own label, Body of Work, and then you signed a record deal. And then things went a little quiet. Are you happy to speak a bit about that time and, and what has happened in the intervening years? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody will uh, sue me. <laughs> I, if I... <laughs> about it in a nice way at least um no i mean yeah it 
it has been definitely it, it, it was a couple of messy years and and signing a, a major label deal was not something I necessarily ever thought I would do but at the time there was um, it seemed right for the first time and then it it seemed right for for a while but then things happen as they do in in that in that like in those layers of the industry where there's not the the same kind of loyalty to like within the companies as well so so people move around a lot and and it's not necessarily anybody's fault but um but i definitely got lost in one of those like restructuring kind of uh, scenarios that happen all the time and i mean it's not a special story at all i think that happens for most artists really that they do get lost in that and yeah then then uh, it's taken some time to kind of get fully get fully out and get fully in with with new collaborators cuz cuz it it was also kind of obvious to me after the two albums that we didn't want to work as alone me and my label partner as we did before we wanted to work with more people and i think we're at that point now we've got a really 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 great team um at embassy of music in in berlin and finally i get to release music again because fuck took a while that must have been really frustrating to not be able to release your music because you are you are a prolific writer and you're a very creative person and people like Charlie XCX and and more recently um other artists have spoken about being unable to release music whilst still being signed to major labels and having tons of of recorded output that they just can't put out um so i can imagine that that must have been tough yeah i mean it, yeah it it feels terrible but i think i think i'm uh, i think i got the backlash later while it was going on i was really just trying to fight through and i didn't necessarily feel the the weight of it or or let the frustration get to me archetypical uh masculine trait that i'm mad at at having i'm really good at postponing my emotions and uh i'm i'm great at 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 kind of doing it in a song and and I'm great at making other people talk about their emotions but I I kind of suck at it myself and it makes no sense but I I did do that for a while and then when I was like almost getting ready to release again it kind of hit me and I think I'm still processing some of those immediate fears that that you get from experiences like that i mean it's exactly like a like a breakup so i'm i'm trying to face those things i guess when you were then finally able to to release music again how easy was it to choose what your next official release was going to be out of the the new stuff that you've recorded did you have a clear idea of this is going to be the first single this is how i'm going to make my return or was it much more of an evolved process i think it was quite clear because i knew i wanted to make the biology series the the trilogy of videos um that there was a certain narrative that i wanted to tell and that was kind of the only order it could have been and i thought there was such a such an openness in young dumb crazy that i started out with it could kind of go anywhere from there i thought it was like a a good way to to ease back into releasing music because i think a lot of people could 
put whatever they wanted the song to be into it because it's so sparse in its production and just a, a, a tiny innocent song that has a hope of becoming something uh, which I think is you know for people to decide what is. So what can you tell us about the new album? It's definitely uh, an exploration of the transition, I think, between some kind of boyhood into manhood, even though I'm not sure that I would call myself a, a man now. I guess I technically am. And I definitely did feel life and myself change while making it because it started in Berlin and I'm definitely a very different place than when I started writing it. So I think it kind of reflects some of that. Also dealing with exactly, you know, what is a man and what are the expectations? What do I want to live up to? And what do I definitely not want to step into? You see, that feels so relevant now. Um, there's so It just feels like such an important topic to discuss what is expected of a man and how they should be. And you mentioned yourself that you found it hard to sometimes to feel your own emotions. And um, I think part of that is just masculinity. So it's a really important topic to explore. I'm quite excited to hear the results of, of that. You mentioned also that you were in Berlin. Um, and I'm just curious, it's, uh, obviously Berlin is such a big, vibrant, exciting city. Um, and how that kind of felt when you moved there as quite a young man from Aarhus, how that affected you? It was great um it wasn't until i moved there that i found out that i had been so bored <laughs> um, no but at least you know it like everything happens all the time in berlin i remember being very drawn to the self-destruction of the city but um, a lot of the time is like an anthro anthropola 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 anthropological <laughs> it's hard logical kind of angle on it observing um the the craziness of of the city and how people lived in it and then occasionally slipping in slipping into it as well and you know uh, do you know the feeling of you know li lying in bed at night and and hearing a party going on next door and not feeling mad at all feeling like ah this is so great me being here and and this is exactly where I want to be and like loving that everybody's gonna have a shit time tomorrow and being a witness to something happening there's something very soothing and calming about a lot of action going on around you but you're safe it can feel quite reassuring can't it to know that there's stuff like you said there's stuff happening around you and when you're from a quiet place especially in in Scandinavia you know quiet places in Scandinavia are quieter than many other places it can feel like you're trapped a bit with your own feelings so to have this other noise and people around you can really be liberating exactly exactly yeah and 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 I think you know that's how I felt all the time in in Berlin that you know, there was always the self-destruction if you wanted to, but you could also not and do music instead, in my case. And and I loved that, that there was constantly like the, the temptation and then not doing it was the best part of it.
You spoke about the anthropological observation of how different people are and in different cities. And I remember that a couple of years ago, you went to L.A., to collaborate with some other musicians and you documented on your social media very very amusingly your observations of a viking in LA you gave this impression of someone who was sort of standing there in the corner at a party looking at how different people there in that LA bubble did things so what was that experience like for you it's a brilliant uh, musical environment to to be a part of for a period of time, for sure. Because the, the thing about the, the vibe there, I guess, is that I know exactly what version of me they like. I know exactly the, the, the kind of Scandinavian pop queer artist I should be to, to make everybody uh, want to work with me. And, and, and I can do that. I can, I can be that. I can go to work and be that version of myself. But I also know that, you know, exactly that drunk Viking version that I described on, on my social media. That's, that's the part that wasn't like appreciated. So I kind of had to just dial that down and uh, get it out somewhere else instead. They didn't necessarily align uh, with one another. No, it, it does have to be more polished there. It, you do have to be a little more perfect and that's that's fun to to be in for a while but also uh not fulfilling you know, on a long-term basis i think for me and are any of the songs that you worked on during your stay in la are any of them on the new album no not any of those co-writes but with 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 the people I work with there, but actually one of the songs called called uh, "Soon to Be Ex Boyfriend." I wrote that in in London with uh, Daniel Hall from PC Music, um, and and we did. I mean, I've worked with with Danny a couple of times, and it's hilarious. It always it always takes like two hours, and there's a song. It's just. There's so much energy in the room and it sounds like, you know, like, like Daniel Hall sounds and it sounds incredible. But, but I think, you know, I'd been sitting with this demo that we did so quickly and I've been sitting on that for at least a year or maybe two. And then I was in LA and stayed at this beautiful house in Echo Park. And I went out to the front porch every morning and sat there and kind of structured my day from there. And one morning I'd been dreaming of that song. And where the, the original demo was like, uh, it was like super NSYNC. We'd been listening to NSYNC and wanted those like really uh, hard hits and, uh, you know, completely uh, dirty pop kind of hyper vibe. But instead in the dream, it was like a, like a, a folk song. And it was like the soundtrack of some kind of movie that played out in my dreams. And I woke up and I knew that, fuck, that song had to, you know, that had that had to be this kind of around the bonfire intimate version and i started making that over there rearranging it and uh, and that's the that's the version that ended up on the album so a little bit of la in there somehow brilliant mm. and you you mentioned online that there were many versions or different edits of remember my name before you settled on the one that got released as a single fairly recently would you say that you're a perfectionist when it comes to deciding on which version of, of a song you're going to release? 
I don't think I'm gonna. No, I'm not a perfectionist, am I? I think I'm. I, I'm. I'm thorough, but I, but I'm also perfectionist. Is is a is a word that I also connect to being uh, extremely controlled. And I wouldn't say that I'm controlled at all. I think that's a really hard question because I've you know I work a lot on things to be great, but it's not necessarily perfection I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I guess it's 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 just that the feeling is right. I think I react to when music hits me the right place in my body. And that can be a super technical thing. That's just about a f- certain frequency of the, of, the, of the sub or like that's hitting slightly wrong or, or a snare that's just not making my shoulders move in, in, in the way I want them to. Um, so in that sense, it's a very kind of physical intuition that, that leads me to to know when something is done in a production. And then the rest of it is is emotion, I guess. And I think that's always been the balance that I kind of strive to find, a, a place where those two coexist. I know in your earlier interview with Duran, you know, a few years ago, you said that you liked to dance to your music as you were creating it, just to see if it like, how it felt, if it gave you the right vibes. Is that something you still do? Always. I don't think I'll ever stop doing that. It's impossible for me to stand still to music. And I've really actually had to make an effort because um, because I've done it too much live. I've like I've, I've reacted so much that I've been a really bad live singer for a while. <laughs> and I kind of at some point I was like, oh, no. Got to rein it in a bit. Yeah. Like every single clip I hear of me, I'm so out of breath and just because I get so excited by the physicality of music, I can't yeah. help myself. So right now, I'm really, really trying to find that place in between uh, and kind of decide when to set my body free and when to rail it in and be in the emotion instead. I think that's a you know that's a lifelong process to find your right uh, balance in that as well. But uh, I'm, I'm really desperately trying right now. Just before the pandemic, one of my mates started uh, performing in a West End musical. And he told me that in the six, seven weeks before they opened the show, he used to go to the gym every day and run on the treadmill and sing at the same time just to kind of get his stamina. And I just thought, you know, that must be what Beyonce does. Yeah. I mean, that's the story, right, as well, that, that like... That as a four-year-old, she she started running in circles and, and singing. Yeah. So we are focusing a little bit not just on the music, but on the Nordics as a place. And so we're curious as to what you can name as maybe a best kept secret of Denmark, which us outsiders might not be so familiar with. It's always a bit difficult, I think, to to kind of uh, pinpoint it while you're you're here and surrounded by it somehow. Um, but I remember when I lived in Berlin, you know, I, 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 I didn't miss like, like culture because there's so, so much of that. So I didn't miss like uh, Ruskill the festival or something like that. Mm. Um, I really missed space. So I went to like Tempelhof at least once a week just to get like a fix of, of width and horizon, um, and to cry uh, without anybody hearing me and stuff <laughs> i miss the ocean 
a lot being so close to to the ocean as you are at all times in Denmark. I mean, I don't know, like within 40 minutes, you you can be yeah. by anywhere in Denmark. I think living by the sea is wonderful. It really is. Yeah. And then, like, I think a best kept secret that you know the Brits might really appreciate as well. Uh, I think this yeah. is quite a hot tip as well. So, like, no, like cultivated events. Like, I wouldn't go to Denmark for that because I think it just is borderline boring to like to yeah I don't know in Denmark. But you should go for the 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 like super unsnubby events such as the Tartlet Festival. Tartlet Festival. So what's that? Well, you know, as lovers of uh, shepherd's pie, um, <laughs> basically the same. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a tartlet. It's a it's a gluten cup containing uh, like a chicken uh, stew. Oh, gluten cup. Now you're talking our language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just so wonderful. And then you go there, and it's like you even you can rent a house uh, close to it, and then it's several days of basically just tasting different tartlets and like measuring the consistencies and like uh, amount of uh, chicken broth in them to, like against each other it's like it's amazing it's very kind of down to earth and you know i think shows very honestly how the the majority of denmark is you know it's a simple living and it's you know it's rather traditional in most of Denmark, which you don't see when Hugo is um, on a billboard showcasing a Danish uh, design, which is, you know, so kind of uh, controlled and structured and simple. But really, we're just a, a bunch of meat-loving, uh, like, f- fat people. Obviously, so I live in Sweden, and um, you. it's interesting how you said that events in Denmark are boring, because in Sweden... Uh, people go to Denmark for like a crazy weekend, you know, uh, and we think of you as like meat loving alcoholics, basically, not me, but the Swedes. Uh, so we think of you guys as like the wild ones, whereas obviously in Denmark, you're like, no, we go to Berlin for that. No, but I get it. I mean, we are a bunch of alcoholics and, and we do party hard in, in the big cities for sure. Are there any other Nordic artists that you are influenced by or particularly love? Plenty. Lucalie was an influence from the moment she stepped onto the scene. I remember being at an actual, you know, CD store and just mm-hmm. seeing the artwork. Sorry, and... what's a CD? <laughs> is, your, is your demographic that young? <laughs> to, uh, explain it. I'm just trying to make myself sound younger than I am. Um, <laughs> compact disc. Yeah, no, but but I just loved the the artwork and and the the and everything. And then I've I I used to be a regular at that record store. I would stand there and like chat to the to the employees and get coffee and like listen to all the all the albums that I just actually based on the covers thought looked interesting. And that's when I found her. And I think she inspired sonically very much how, how we approached the first album, particularly she produced that with Peter Bjorn and and John. Um, And there was just, you know, a grit and an, and a dirt and imperfection to that album that really just drew me in so much that pop music could, 
could sound like that and still be undeniably pop. Um, and then at the same time, around the same time, or maybe that was a bit later, actually, I got into Robin. And obviously, you know, as from, for most of us, uh, she has been a character from way back. And I do remember recording Show Me Love uh, on my tape uh, recorder because it was on the on the radio and I would do these, you know, like absolute espion mixes and give to people. And she was definitely on there. So when I realized that, I guess that was be mine that I heard and, and then realized, you know, that was probably ev- everything I wanted to be in like as a, as a pop star that, that related so much to how I could see myself be a pop star potentially. And actually, uh, do you know what? The first time I saw a, a press image of you, even before I heard your music, and I think it was just before your performance at Ya 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 Festival in, in London. And I remember um, just thinking, wow, that's like a, a younger male Robin because you had that big mop of, of blonde hair and that kind of vibrance. Uh, so th- there was there was definitely a, a Robin aesthetic at the time. One of the many instances that I get jealous of Chris living in Stockholm is that uh, during Robin's last album campaign, Chris was able to take part in that amazing treasure hunt, online treasure treasure hunt that was also kind of not online but very physical. You won it. I uh, I mean I don't know whether I should be ashamed or proud of this, but I did end up in the top five players in Sweden. Fuck. The thing is, is obviously in Stockholm, there are so many people playing it. It literally took up hours a day, and I'm not joking. Um, but it meant I got to meet Robin. And uh, that was, she is just as wonderful in real life as you can imagine. She is so lovely. And the concert was incredible. Of course. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. Obviously, in your music videos, you often get to enjoy an intimate company of a very attractive gentleman. So how's your IRL love life been? Like, can a pop star have time for dating when he's busy working on a new album? <laughs> well, right now, it's a little bit challenging, definitely. Um, no, I actually, uh, I, 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 I realized, I guess that was a, the, like two years ago, maybe, that I'd only had two boyfriends in my life and that maybe I wasn't doing like an effort. So I decided that I would date 1000 men before the summer was over. Well, but by the time the year was over, 12 months, I had dated 16. None of them led to anything, but a good bunch of terrible and lovely stories. You always get something out of it, don't you? Yeah, I do. Oh yeah. It's just, uh, you know, that's the... (laughs) <laughs> so if you if you turn like you know a dating app on in Jutland are there likely to be other eligible gays I mean I've never been to Jutland so I don't know what what that might be like um yeah but they're just a bit far away you have to like put up your distance a little bit yeah and preferably have a car which I don't I have a bike and I like bike to the nearest city and grocery shop and stuff um I spend a lot of time in front of my computer making music i spend way more time than i want on working on social media as well i mean it's part of the job i just don't want to spend my time on that on apps when i'm when i'm done so i think 
I have high hopes for for reality, which is an excellent uh, argument for me not l- being out here in the dark by the ocean for much longer. <laughs> high hopes for reality would make an amazing album title, actually. Look at me, just <laughs> I'm just the creativity uh, just pours out of him. Oh yes. <laughs> As a special treat for our listeners, you've recorded a version of Be Human. Could you just tell us a little bit about it? Well, Be Human is one of those songs that just came out so quickly. It was uh, it wanted to be born into the world. And then it kind of took a lot of turns in the production and stuff. But it started as, as a very vulnerable piano ballad, kind of asking the question whether I was allowed to be human and be me with all the pressure there is on fulfilling certain roles in society and then it turned into this anthemic kind of danceable version with horns and uh cowbells and uh you know where it's not a question anymore it's it's a statement almost like i'm gonna be human whether you like it or not amazing when in doubt add a cowbell it sounds beautiful thank you
just be human. Asbjorn, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Melody AM. We are excited about your new album and we're excited about the prospect of seeing you live. I mean, as someone who has seen your live show before, I can happily reveal to all of our listeners that it is an absolute treat. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure and I really, really can't wait to, um, to hear all the other episodes and fanboy when my fellow awesome Nordic artists um, share their stories. That was such a brilliant version of Be Human. Thank you very much to Asbjorn for joining us for this episode and for recording this special version of the track for us. And thank you also to the marvellous Minute Taker for writing our Melody Aaron theme tune. And thank you to you guys for listening. And if you get the chance, we'd love it if you rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which are apparently the places where it matters. And hey, if you really have the time, leave us a review as well. Until next time, hey door.